if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for being with us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 22nd morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Coming up on the program, Jim Jordan, Congressman America's fourth, or excuse me, Ohio's fourth congressional district. He will be joining us at uh, 948 as he always does. So exactly 40 minutes from now. And also a couple of treats. We're going to hear from one of my football idols growing up. Uh, literally, as I was in high school, my freshman year of high school, he was winning the Heisman Trophy in uh, uh, at the University of Georgia in 1982. His name is Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker uh, ha- is one of the most unbelievable athletes probably in the history of America between his uh, Heisman Trophy, his 12-year NFL career, and his career as an MMA fighter in his 40s and 50s, believe it or not. Anyway, we're not talking to him about his incredible exploits on the uh, athletic comp- fields of competition. We're going to talk to him about policing in America. Because, uh, and I actually talked to him, I should say, going to talk to him, you're going to hear it, because I talked to him live on Larry Elder's show on Friday evening, and uh, I know that obviously not everybody was able to listen to that time, so I'm going to share that with you a little bit later today. Also, Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich has a new book out, we're going to talk to him about that and about what it means in 2020, as we are now four and a half months, a little less than four and a half months out from the presidential election. Will Donald Trump get reelected? Will he be able to... To finish what he started, if you will, or is he going to be uh, chopped off at the knees uh, by the coronavirus, by Black Lives Matter, and by all of the chaos and unrest involving our economy right now? So Newt Gingrich, and he's got some thoughts on the polls. So Newt Gingrich, Herschel Walker, and as noted, Congressman Jordan will be with us live at 948. All right, I'm going to share the headlines with you to start the program this morning. These are not Ohio-related, but I will share the Ohio stories with you coming up in a bit as well. In the Seattle area autonomous zone, first known as Chaz, and then somebody else probably thought that sounded too weak and wimpy and pathetic because it just kind of calls to mind, I don't know, some rich uh, uh, trust fund baby named Chaz. The name is Chaz. I don't know, it reminds me of the, uh, of uh, uh, the uh, oh, for crying out loud, on Gilligan's Island, uh, the, 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 the rich dude. Uh, I can't remember his name for whatever reason. Anyway. 
Uh, they didn't like Chaz. It sounded too lame. It sounded too weak, so they called it CHOP now. Instead of Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, now it's Capitol Hill Occupied Protest CHOP. And it makes them sound much more serious and much more vicious. And guess what? They are indeed serious and vicious. Two men shot inside the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. One of them died from his injuries. The other is in critical condition. And the CHOP leaders inside the CHAZ zone are livid that the EMTs wouldn't come in to try to save them. They call, first of all, this part is hilarious. People in the autonomous zone, which means they call it a police-free zone, they call themselves essentially their own, um, uh, I don't want to call them a sovereign state, but essentially they're saying we have seceded from America, so they are kind of de facto claiming their own sovereignty, and yet they want to rely on the infrastructure of the actual United States of America that they have bordered themselves off from, that they have walled themselves. How about that? They built a wall. Walls work. Um, so say they, they've separated themselves from the actual laws and from the, you know, from the infrastructure, if you will, of the United States of America until they need it. People in the autonomous zone called the Seattle police to report that they had heard three to six gunshots at around 2.30 a.m. Saturday morning. People were seen fleeing from the murder scene at 10th Avenue and East Pine Street in the Capitol Hill organized protest, according to KOMO-TV there. Seattle police, dressed in protective anti-protest gear, entered the autonomous zone to help the victim. But the CHOP residents drove them out. The anarchists drove the police that some of them had called because they said, no, this is a police-free zone. They threw bottles at them and drove them out. Officers attempted to locate a shooting victim but were met by a violent crowd that prevented them from getting access to the victims. So the CHOP protesters who say that we're a cop-free zone, but then called the cops, but then drove the cops away before they could actually try to save the victims, the CHOP protesters then were angry that the EMTs wouldn't come into the CHOP zone without police protection. I mean, they're literally attacking the cops, but they're trying to tell the EMTs uh, to come in here and save them. Get in here. And the EMTs are like, we're not going in there. This is a violent place. And there's no law. There's no order. There's nobody pushing the crowds back. There's nobody allowing us to come in there. Absolutely, we're not going in there. And remember, the mayor of Seattle, Mayor Jenny, Mayor Jenny Durkin said, ah, this is a street party. It's like a black party. It's the summer of love in Seattle. These guys are fine. There's not going to be any violence there. Well, in the past week alone, a street preacher was physically assaulted. A black man was tormented by people in the autonomous zone because he dared to carry an American flag. They're setting things on fire. There are rapes and robberies inside the chop, according to the police chief. But the cops can't respond to any of them. And to be quite frank, nor should they. Anybody who's in that chop zone or chaz zone who needs... um, assistance from Seattle infrastructure, including police or fire or emergency services, needs to declare themselves a non-participant of the CHOP zone and get out of there and go get it.
So that's ju- that's just part of the story. And by the way, the the, the response from the CHOP leaders uh, uh, to those who died, or to the individual who died and the other one who's in critical condition, who was taken by somebody in the CHOP, and this is the funny part about it, they declared themselves an autonomous zone, but they don't have their own hospitals. They don't have their own uh, infrastructure. So they uh, so they threw them in the back of a car, one of the shooting victims, and drove them to a hospital outside the zone themselves because they couldn't get the ambulances and the EMTs to come in. But this is the best part. A tweet on Saturday from one of the CHOP leaders, uh, somebody named Raz Simone, said this, quote, Medics refused to help even after people in the chop begged. They let our bro bleed out for 30 minutes till he died. F politics, he said, but he spelled out the word. F your corrupt system. Again, he said, spelling out the actual word, the F word. So he's livid that the medics wouldn't go into a place where they were attacking cops. And and they themselves are the ones who said, we are a cop-free zone. If you're a cop-free zone, the, the, if the police force represents the actual United States of America that you hate so much that you have seceded from, then you don't want cops there. Then you also don't want the same American emergency services and the same American emergency fire departments, right? You don't want their assistance. So we got violence in the chop, shootings in the chop, and people are bleeding out, others in critical condition, because they have made that, they have set those conditions for themselves. Now let's move over 3,000 miles from Seattle, Washington to New York City, where over the weekend, the New York Police Department announced that uh, shootings are skyrocketing. Shootings are skyrocketing after the NYPD disbanded its, quote, anti-crime units. The anti-crime units were disbanded because of calls to defund police. It impacted about 600 officers who patrolled in plain clothes. This is what the politicians wanted. They applauded this when they said, we're disbanding the anti-crime units. The New York Police Commissioner Dermot Shea said this is a seismic shift in the culture of how the NYPD polices this great city. It will be felt immediately in the communities that we protect. He was right. But in the other direction, he was proud of this because they said we need to reform policing. So that's one of the things that they did. And according to the New York Post, shootings in the city surged after the NYPD disbanded its plainclothes units. In fact, between Monday and the day Shea made his announcement and Saturday, this past Saturday, two days ago, there were 28 shooting incidents with 38 victims. The shootings accumulated at least five deaths. By comparison, there had been only 12 shootings over the entire week during the same time period last year. So shootings are skyrocketing because cops aren't out there on patrol, plain clothes or otherwise. And now, let's move back toward the Midwest. So we went far west, west coast, east coast, and now to Chicago. We're setting new records for shooting violence in Chicago. Over Father's Day weekend, the numbers are in. As of this morning, 102 people were shot in Chicago this weekend alone. 14 of those resulted in fatalities. Among the victims, a three-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl. 
presumably hit in some of the crossfire. The highest number of shooting victims in a single weekend this year, 102 people shot. The vast majority of the victims, as they are every single weekend in Chicago's shooting gallery, are African American. Almost all of them, as they are every weekend in the Chicago shooting gallery, almost all of the perpetrators of those shootings were also African American. This is almost exclusively, but not exclusively, almost, gang violence related. African American gang members shooting other African American gang targets. And if black lives matter, which they do, where is black lives matter? Why is black lives matter? the organization, not marching and protesting in the streets of Chicago in defense of those black lives. Why are they ignored? Why are 102 shooting victims ignored in just one weekend? 14 fatalities in just one weekend. Two boys, 15 and 16, shot. One in the leg, chest, and abdomen. The other in the ankle. A 13-year-old girl shot and killed. Two other teens wounded on the west side. Where are the Black Lives Matter organizers? If Black Lives Matter, and again, you will hear me say, they absolutely do. Where are you, Black Lives Matter? Why aren't you trying to formulate some sort of plan to to bring about reform, to bring about change in the city of Chicago. Dare I answer this for you? Because you don't want to reform behavior of people in the community that are responsible for all of this. You only want to reform political organizations. In other words, police departments run by politicians, run by city officials. You want them to reform because it's part of a political agenda. It's not about defending black lives. If you think that Black Lives Matter, the organization, is all up in arms over the death of George Floyd and not because they are being controlled by Marxists trying to achieve political objectives, then you are delusional. If they cared about black lives, they would be in Chicago protesting, demanding change in the culture, in the behavior that is leading to this unbelievable amount of gun violence in that city. And by the way, if you think that it's just some talk, some white talk show host claiming that Black Lives Matter is run by Marxists, you'd be wrong. Because you know who made that admission this weekend? One of the founders of Black Lives Matter. The rest of that story after this on AM 1420, The Answer. All right. You asked for it. Maybe you didn't, but I kind of think you want to hear it, and I'm going to share it with you. 
So the Black Lives Matter movement, it's being spray-painted on city streets everywhere with the approval of city leaders, by the way. It's not graffiti when it's sanctioned by the mayors in places like Washington, D.C., and in Columbus, Ohio, soon to be renamed, by the way. Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement um, that continues to dominate America right now in all forms on our edu- uh, uh, entertainment networks, channels, uh, websites, uh, radio stations, and so on and so forth. People think that this is some sort of a, a uh, glorious movement toward equality and social justice. If you thought that Black Lives Matter was about saving black lives, you really, really have just been in a world of delusion. Black Lives Matter is not about saving black lives. Black Lives Matter is a political organization aimed at advancing leftist causes everywhere. That's it. Again, if they mattered to Black Lives Matter, if Black Lives Mattered to the group Black Lives Matter, they would be in cities like Chicago trying to stop black lives from being taken on such a routine basis. Black Lives Matter does not specifically note that they are Marxists on their website, but one of the organization's creators admitted that they do subscribe to Karl Marx's ideology. In a newly resurfaced video from 2015, Black Lives Matter Global Network co-founder Patrice Cullors reveals that she and her fellow BLM creators are trained Marxists. Quote, Myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. We are trained Marxists. We are super versed on sort of ideological theories. Black Lives Matter follows in the footsteps of a radical revolutionary of radical revolutionary groups in the US who have been influenced by Marxism, including the Weather Underground and the Black Panther Party organizations. On Friday, three days ago, Colors, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, revealed that, quote, our goal is to get Trump out. End quote. During an appearance on CNN's The Lead. Colors demanded that Donald Trump resign from office immediately. Quote, Well, I'm hands down. Trump not only needs to not be in office in November, but he should resign now. Trump needs to be out of office. He is not fit for office, and so what we are going to push for is a move to get Trump out. While we're also going to continue to push and pressure Vice President Joe Biden around his policies and relationship to policing and criminalization. That's going to be important. But our goal is to get Trump out. End quote. In the past, Colors has compared President Trump to Adolf Hitler on multiple occasions. Earlier this week, a report was released that claimed the national arm of Black Lives Matter has spent millions of dollars on travel and compensation over the past three fiscal years. But only 6% of BLM spending went to local chapters and grassroots organizations. In other words, anybody making donations to Black Lives Matter is making donations to political leftist candidates and causes. It's not about saving black lives. It's not about social justice. It's not about, uh, it's not about programs to help lift the black community. It's politics, pure and simple. Donations to Black Lives Matter are funding Joe Biden. They had funded Bernie Sanders. They had funded in the past Hillary Clinton and more. They are a political organization rooted in Marxism. 
and they are working hand-in-hand with the Democrat Party. So when you see people trying to shame Vice President Mike Pence, as they did on Friday, into saying Black Lives Matter, and Mike Pence resisted doing so, reportedly responding in, on multiple occasions that all lives matter, all colors, all races, all creeds, etc. They all matter, and they shamed him. You won't say the words, will you? There's a reason why. Because the promotion of Black Lives Matter, the organization, is the promotion of liberal Democratic candidates and causes, and the liberal Democratic candidates and causes are not just liberal Democratic, they're straight-up Marxist. Quite frankly, let's take it to the next level. What is Marxism? But Marxism is the precursor to communism, and that's exactly what they believe in. They're trying to convince you this is about saving black lives. That is not what Black Lives Matter is about. So if you wonder why many of us refuse to buy into that notion of the Black Lives Matter organization, while recognizing that black lives, as all American lives do, matter, now you know why. They are not about saving people. They are about politics, removing Trump, and gaining more power for their Marxist Democrat candidates. Your reaction is welcome. 216-901-0945. Dial it up. 888-281-1110 on the Bob France Authority. All right, uh, 936. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. About 12 minutes from now, Congressman Jim Jordan will be joining us to talk about a host of issues facing our country right now and the state of Ohio as well, his 4th Congressional District. Uh, thanks to Gary Wolski, by the way. Gary Wolski is the president of the Ohio FOP. He's listening to the show this morning. You heard me talking about Chaz this morning, the, uh, zone that they created. They called it the Capitol. They originally called it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone as they essentially cordoned off a seven block area of Seattle and said it's, a, it's an autonomous nation. It's not a, uh, it's no longer part of the United States. It's a police free zone. And of course, it's leading to what those kinds of things always lead to anarchy. Uh, uh, fighting over who's in charge, uh, staking out territories, etc. I mean, it's it's insane. They have their own, you know, they're against guns in the autonomous zone, but they are guarding and protecting it with armed guards. Anyway, they called it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, and for some reason they changed it to CHOP, from Chaz to CHOP. And I, I just assumed it's because they know how weenie Chaz sounds. No disrespect to any Chazes who are listening right now, but come on. I mean, you know, I mean, I, and so I, I mentioned on the uh, in the first hour, and I was talking about this. I said it reminded me of the rich guy from Gilligan, Gil, Gil, Gilligan's Island. I couldn't remember his name. It was just drawn one of those. He had a mental blank. Gary Wolski, listening, just hit me with it right away. Texted to me and said, "Thurston Howell, Howell the Third. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Uh, Thurston, Thurston Howell the Third, and their son Chaz. I just sounds so rich, elitist, trust fund baby weenie." That's just how it sounds, and I think they know it. We, we can't be Chaz. Not to mention it sounds way too white. We're going to be CHOP instead. Yeah. Or the Capitol Hill occupied protest. CHOP sounds much more, uh, much more uh, aggressive. And, of course, they don't realize they're feeding into the patriarchy when they do that, which is something they, of course, oppose in the autonomous zone. All right, uh, let's get a few phone calls in a reaction to that. And, by the way, the city of Columbus isn't far off from devolving into something like that because of the extraordinary weakness of its pathetic, ineffectual mayor, Mayor Ginther. 
We talked about this on Friday's program. We played for you, thanks to our uh, friend uh, uh, Chris Long, Pastor Chris Long from the Ohio Christian Alliance, sent me a, uh, an audio tape of a 911 call that was made by a, a driver who was uh, reporting the blocked uh, uh, road on High Street, at, I can't remember the cross street, uh, and how nobody was able to get through and traffic was in a very serious, you know, dangerous situation there. And the 911 dispatcher said, yeah, uh, that's the protest. We can't do anything about it. He said, why not? And he said, because we were told to stand down. The mayor of the city of columbus told the police to stand down which is probably why they couldn't prevent the capitol building from being defaced uh and which of course is highway post one of the uh, post one of the ohio highway patrol uh from being defaced and smeared with red paint and red handprints and this and that and the other thing so the ineffectual mayor of ineffective and ineffectual mayor of uh columbus is taking all kinds of heat now and so much so to, that he had to release a statement on his Facebook page, which he did over the weekend, saying, and I quote, statement from Mayor Andrew Ginther. We have been clear about respecting and protecting peaceful protest. We also must keep city streets open to the public to travel and protect residents from lawlessness, including the drag racing, fires, and injuries in recent nights. Increased enforcement today has been necessary to clear the right-of-way. So he's essentially issuing a statement of apology to the anarchists blocking traffic, harassing drivers, attacking cars. He's apologizing them for having to disperse them. Going back to his statement, Officers instructed people downtown to keep protests to the sidewalks and out of streets for more than an hour. Uh, so in other words, they get to block the streets for an hour at a time. Is that the way it works? Or does that mean officers did this for more than an hour? At any rate, he said, as police tried to clear the streets, they were met with violence from some and took action, including using mace and pepper spray as appropriate to keep crowds on sidewalks. I will reiterate again that we respect and encourage peaceful protests, but aggressive acts that put police and protesters in dangers cannot be tolerated. Let me say two things about that, and then I'll go to your calls. Number one, um, if they were met with violence, the police should be allowed to respond with violence and arrests. If they are met with violence, take those perpetrators down. Lock them up. Lock them up and set high bails. You want to start to disperse these crowds, start locking people up, set high bails, so they can't just get back out and do it again. That's number one. And number two, you're the one who literally seven days ago, Mayor Ginther, banned the use of pepper spray and mace. Why do you think they came out again in such force, the the anarchists? I'm not even going to call them protesters, peaceful or otherwise. They're anarchists. Why do you think they came out? Because you issued a statement saying no more uh, pepper spray and mace. I want you to think about that. You brought this on. Then what happened when the crowd became too unruly? You said, yeah, go ahead and use the, uh, the pepper spray and mace. June 16th, what's today, the 22nd? Six days ago. June 16th, looking at uh, Andrew Ginther's Twitter feed, quote, Let me be clear, tear gas and pepper spray will no longer be used to break up peaceful protests. I have directed Chief Quinlan to complete a thorough review of how chemical spray agents are deployed by Columbus police and to immediately stop the use of tear gas and pepper spray to disperse non-aggressive, non-violent crowds. Well, guess what? When you try to disperse non-violent crowds peacefully without pepper spray and tear gas, in other words, when the officers say, Pretty please stop blocking the intersection. 
that's when they become violent. And that's when you need to use the tear gas and pepper spray. This guy is so unbelievably weak-willed and spineless. I mean, it's kind of probably not a coincidence that he lives and works in Columbus, the same place our weak-willed, spineless governor works. Mayor Ginther and Governor DeWine have a lot in common. They're afraid to stand up for the rule of law. They're afraid to do what is necessary to protect people and state property. And they're going to end up allowing Columbus to become the next autonomous zone. Sorry about the delay, but Jan in Greater Cleveland, go ahead. Oh, hi, I have a suggestion for Seattle. A huge, uh, a massive building uh, taking up eight blocks. And then when they're finished, they could uh, put the sign up, the Seattle Psychiatric Institute, and it already has its clients right there. Yeah, and, yeah, they pretty much are. And uh, as far as uh, Gunther goes, I think the, the damage that he stood by and let people mess up, that, that money to repair the damage should not come out of the taxpayers. It should come out of your pension, Mr. Gunther. I like Thank that. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Thanks. Jan. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mayor Mayor Andrew Ginther. It's Ginther, not Gunther, and that's okay. Uh, I like it. Yeah, he, they ought to be held held responsible for some of their decisions, honestly, financially or otherwise. Uh, let me get. You know what? Actually, no, I don't want to get the next caller. Uh, it's nine forty four. I hear the music, and that means we got to clear the decks for Congressman Jordan. Jim Jordan will join us next. We will have time for the rest of your phone calls after that, right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, 948, now we continue right on time. How about that? We come in with Congressman Jim Jordan for his regular 948 Monday morning visit on AM 1420. The answer, good morning, Congressman. How are you? Uh, morning, Bob. Doing fine. Yourself? Ha- happy belated Father's Day to you. Hopefully you had a nice day. You too. We did. Thank you. We did. Had a real nice day. Good to, he- good to hear. President had a nice speech on uh, Saturday night. Why don't mm-hmm. we get your reaction to, uh, to the president's return to the campaign trail and also the controversy, uh, quite frankly, over the crowd in Tulsa. Uh, they had over a million ticket requests, uh, and uh, yeah. Pat Parscale, the campaign manager of Trump 2020, said this is like the best we've ever done times 10. And uh, come to find out why, apparently there were some nefarious online doings where people were reserving tickets with no intention of coming. They were trying to sabotage the rally. I don't think it silenced the message, though, did it? No, no, it was a great speech. And, you know, this, this uh, when, when President Trump's out, he connects with the American people. And, and I think he connects because the, the American people appreciate someone who's, you know, taking on the swamp, draining the swamp, doing what he said. Um, there's just... This 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 connection this bond that that, that is there um, and and the American uh, people respect it they appreciate a fighter they appreciate what he's doing on their behalf and one of the things that all, I think always comes across Bob is when you're in the room um, you feel the energy and you know that this president is fighting for you and and he he conveys that in such a I think powerful way and it was it was it was a fun fun environment fun speech. And I thought, uh, I thought, you know, telling the stories that he told about his experience at West Point, going down the ramp and the water, I thought it was all great. And, um, you know, we had a great time, and I think the, the people did. And there was unbelievable, unprecedented numbers of people watched it, uh, you know, online and, and, and on TV. So I think that's a great sign as well. I think uh, one of the most important things that the president can do right now is being forward-thinking. Uh, and he his line in the speech in which he talked about the economy on the rebound now, which, of course, is still hard to do with the uh, restrictions in so many states re- related to the, the pandemic, yeah. 
Um, but he said that recovery that we're enduring, experiencing right now is nothing compared to what's coming next year. He predicted that next year will be the single largest economic boom that we have ever witnessed. Um, do you think that voters are listening to that message? Do you think they believe that message, especially in light of the recent polling that shows? And we know how polls went in 2016. But yeah. you know, based on that, do you think people believe that message? I do, and I think it's happening. We saw the job numbers last month. You know, they were predicting a 7.5 million job loss, an additional job loss, and we had a 2.5 million do- uh, job gain. So it was a 10 million job swing from what the so-called experts were predicting. I think the V-shaped recovery is already happening. The Great American Comeback is already happening, and I think the president's right. It's going to continue to go. Remember where we were just four months ago. The economy sailing along with taxes cut, regulations reduced, unbelievable growth in our economy, wages up, unemployment at its lowest in 50 years for all parts of our population. So that's where we were, and that's where we're going to get back to, and, and I think pass it. The other thing I'd mention too, Bob, one of the reasons I think you, you didn't see as quite as many people at the, at the event as think about it. Think about it. If you go, you're, you're, you're nervous about are there going to be rioters uh, there, uh, protesters there? Are you, am I going to take my family when that's? And am I also going to going to risk being this whole cancel culture? You, you know, you saw what happened to Mike Gundy, the, the head football coach at OSU. Mike yeah. Gundy takes his boys fishing, wears the wrong T-shirt, and they try to cancel Mike Gundy, 15-year coach, Big 12 champions a few years back. I mean, they try to cancel him for going fishing with the wrong T-shirt, for goodness sake. So, so people said, you know what? I'm going to stay home. I'm, I'm, I appreciate the president, but I'm just going to stay home, not have to deal with all that hassle. And that's why there were record numbers of people watching it on TV, watching it online, record numbers. You know, I wasn't going to go here now, but I will, since you brought up the Gundy story. And for those who don't know, the T-shirt he, he was wearing, scandalous as it was, uh, was a T-shirt for OAN, which is One American News, which is a cable news site <laughs> that has dared to tell both sides of the Black Lives Matter yeah. story, rather than just towing the, you know, the, the national line right now, which is that whites are oppressing blacks and we've got to do something to lift up blacks because George Floyd was killed. And that means that the entire country is some sort of raci- racist bastion. And um, so they tried to cancel, as you you said Mike Gundy for that t-shirt and since we're doing that let me go here on the cancel culture first of all you know they've been tearing down confederate statues repeat anybody having anything to do with the confederacy now congressman jordan they're tearing down pre- uh, um uh, statues of the president George the Washington. first president the yeah. founder George founding Washington. father of this nation because he once owned slaves they tore down ulysses s grant in san francisco <laughs> Who, f- who led? Who, who led the Union Army and defeated the Confederacy? F- helped free the slaves, um, and then fought the KKK in his in his time as president. They're trying to cancel him, Congressman. This makes no sense. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. There, uh, let's go there. They want to remove Teddy Roosevelt no. statue from the uh, National History Museum. I mean, I just don't know where we're. I don't know where this is going to end. Where? It's one simple question, Bob. Where does it end? Where does it end? It, you know, who's next? FDR. Are they going to take down the FDR uh, uh, memorial in D.C. because you know FDR interned Japanese Americans? So, so it, it, where does this where does this end? That's that's the part that drives so many. Like Mike Gundy, grab, you know how when you go fishing, Bob, you, you grab the top T-shirt on the shelf, whatever's in the stack. You grab that shirt, you throw it on, you go fishing with your boys. For goodness' sake, they try to cancel him for that. 
this is this is this is lunacy. It's well, almost if I may, if I may Congressman, I, I don't want to make it sound like me. He he did that inadvertently, grabbed the top shirt on the stack. Well, I, I, well, I maybe, prefer to yeah, think I, I prefer to think he put it on because he likes One American News. If he wore no, a T-shirt no, that no. said ABC News, nobody would have had a problem with it. He it, wears one it, that, it, that, that you know signaling a, or supporting a, a network he likes, and suddenly that's a, a crime. I, so I want I want no, to I, I prefer agree, that he I, thought about it. I agree with you. I think he does support One American News. I'm just saying, like, he could have picked another shirt. What if it's Fox News? What if it's ABC? Who knows what he's got on? But you go, you go, I just, this just shows how absurd it is all getting. And that's the part that drives me crazy. Let's remember that America is not perfect, but we're the greatest country ever. And what the left is trying to do, this cancel culture is almost as crazy, maybe as crazy as this, 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 a policy proposal about abolishing police departments and defunding the police. We are seeing some of the craziest concepts, most insane public policy proposals I have ever seen in my life. And that is the part that scares Americans. And I think that's why on Election Day they're going to be supporting President Trump and he's going to win big. Last thing on the cancel culture, because I think if anything illustrates the absurdity more than this, I, I don't know what it is, but I want you to listen. This was, this was tweeted by Jesse Kelly, who's a nationally syndicated host, who said the following. Yale, you know, you probably know this. Yale University was named for Elihu Yale. Not just a man who had slaves, he was an actual slave trader. I call on Yale to change its name immediately and strip the name of Yale from every building, piece of paper, and or merchandise. Otherwise, they hate black people. Hashtag cancel Yale. Now, he was trying to illustrate the absurdity of the cancel culture. But I want to put this to liberal leaders who are calling for the cancellation of anything ever having to do with slavery, erasing the history of America, including tearing down George Washington statue and any other founding fathers who actually owned slaves at a time when that's what was going on. Uh, if they're going to do that, then the bastion of liberal thought that is Yale University has to follow suit. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Again, this is this is the the craziness of the left, the absurdity. You know, this all this all started with safe spaces. This all started with free speech zones. This all started with bias response teams on campuses. Remember, we had a hearing. We had a hearing where I asked a professor, Bob, asked a professor in this hearing. I said, on a safe space on a college campus, could I say this sentence? Donald Trump is president. the The professor's response began with. Well, Congressman, it depends. Now, think about that. It's a fact. But So this is where it leads you. It starts with this craziness on campuses, and it leads to these kind of questions where they're wanting to cancel everything makes absolutely no sense. And again, I think common-sense Americans across this great country are like, I'm fed up with You know what I noticed, Bob? I noticed a couple weeks ago when it was Flag Week, lots of people had the American flag out. You know what was standing right beside it? What was, what was flying right beside it? Trump 2020 flags. People have said, you call people racist long enough, you call people names long enough, you try to cancel people long enough, they said, we've had it, and they're willing to put a Trump flag in their yard to show that they're going to fight back. Uh, let's move on to policing in America, Congressman Jordan, uh, and, and particularly what's going on in CHOP. They, I guess they didn't like the name Chaz. Maybe it sounded too elitist, uh, yeah. so they went with CHOP now. A guy was shot and killed there, and another one yeah. shot and critically wounded inside, and police tried to come in to get to the individuals to help them, and they threw bottles at them and drove them out. Then were angry when EMTs and medics wouldn't go in without police protection because of the violence going okay. on inside. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious once again. When 
do we say enough is enough and take back seven blocks of a of a major american city that has been ceded to anarchists that is leading to violence within because they have declared it a lawless zone well i think it's a it's a question now that there's been the loss of life uh that i mean it, it was it's crazy enough before but now that you've had someone actually lose their life and you and, and what happened when when the police come in to try to help and the and the, and the first responders came in the the, the 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 emergency medical people came in that maybe it is time who knows but the president has said he's not going to he's not going to go forever he's not going to wait forever and at some point he'll be the leader that uh, obviously the mayor of Seattle and the governor of, of Washington state are not um, so we'll see but this is when it's getting really serious when you're when you're when you have the loss of life that took place over the weekend and i think i think the, the other individuals in critical condition if i remember, i haven't seen the story i haven't seen any read anything on this morning but serious situation yeah, there's no question it's a serious situation, as is policing in America in general. And I want to hit two other quick things with you in the last minute and a half. Sure. Number one is in New York. Uh, a week after they disbanded the anti-crime units in New York, shootings have skyrocketed. They have had 38 shootings there, uh, 38 victims, 28 shooting incidents there in the last week, which is compared to 12 in the same week a year ago. Uh, and it's because yeah. they have taken cops in plain clothes off the streets. That's number one. And number two, of course, is new records are being set in the shooting gallery that is Chicago, 102 over Father's Day weekend, 102 shootings, 14 of them fatalities, including several kids. Again, uh, if I have to ask it, if Black Lives Matter, and they do, where is Black Lives Matter? Because the vast majority of the shooting victims are black. What about those lives? So we had Dan Bongino as a witness. We invited him in for the judiciary markup a week ago, and then just this past week, we had him in the oversight committee. And I asked Dan about these, uh, and a number of our, our members asked about this. And, and he, he made a great point. He says, when you start doing this, defund the police and do this, this crazy policy, you got to step back and say, what's next? What then? What happens next? And he said, you know, it's bad enough when Democrats have crazy policy. They want to raise your taxes. They want the Green New Deal, all these things. But when you go with this crazy policy, people lose their lives. Bad things happen, not just to officers. Who are, you know don't have as many around to deal with tough situations, but also those communities that they that they bust their tail trying to protect every single day, and we are seeing it play out exactly what Dan Bongino, NYPD, Secret Service, unbelievable background, and he laid it out as only a guy with that kind of background could, and he, he said the simple question: What next? What happens? And this just shows how absurd, how crazy, how insane these policies we're getting from the left actually are. De, de, de Blasio wants to cut the police a billion dollars. Garcetti in L.A., $250 million. And in Minneapolis, they want to abolish the department altogether. This is craziness, and it has to stop. Yeah, it, it is crazy, and it does have to stop. But unfortunately, with weak, ineffective leaders in uh, many of these communities and many of these cities, almost always exclusively Democrat leaders, it's not going to stop. Because this is... You know the last time there was... Bob, you know, you know the last time there was a Republican mayor? This tragedy that happened in Minneapolis is just that a tragedy. And Mr. Floyd's yeah. family deserves justice. Never should have happened. But you know the last time there was a Republican mayor in Minneapolis? 1963, before you and I were even born. That's how, that's how long... And you, Guess what the makeup of the, of the city council is? Thirteen people in the city council, twelve oh, Democrats and one Green Party, and somehow, somehow it's it's it's, it's President Trump's fault. The stuff that, that the terrible thing that happened up there—that's how crazy this all is. No question about it, Congressman Jordan. Thank you so much for your time. As always, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks, Bob. Take care. It's ten oh one. Time for news. Your phone calls to follow on AM.